Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. On 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. Happy to be here once again. Tonight we're going to talk about an enormous injustice that has been committed against you, the Indiana voter, after a ruling by the Indiana Election Commission. We'll get into for the first segment. Also, Mitch McConnell, Rona McDaniel, they're both gone. What does this mean, however, for Republican leadership in the future? Later in the show, we're going to be having guests on uh, Rob Kendall as well as Nigel Laskowski onto the program. We're going to be talking about that John Russ decision, uh, Mitch McConnell, Gabriel Whitley, and then also the Florida Man Games. It's a Awesome show I got planned for you this evening. I hope you enjoy it. Producer Jack, beep, 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 on the board, doing his best, as always, to help the show function. How are you this evening, sir? Have you uh, enjoyed your Saturday afternoon? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Staying busy. Yeah. I'm well rested and ready to go. Excellent. Yeah. I am a very grumpy individual. <laughs> I've been stewing all week since this ruling from the Indiana Election Commission on Tuesday when they voted to remove John Rust from the primary ballot. This is circling the wagons in an incredibly bold establishment move to protect the candidacy of Jim Banks. The dude can't handle a little competition, which is utterly ridiculous. This has nothing to do with my support for John Rust. I don't know whether John Rust would be a good candidate or not. He's not being allowed to be a candidate because of this ridiculous primary rule where you have to vote in two consecutive Republican primary elections to qualify to run as a Republican in the race, which, mind you, Producer Jack, would prohibit about 85% of the state from being able to run in an election. You can't convince me that the government has a compelling interest to prohibit 85% of the state from having the chance to even run for office. This is absurd. Yeah, it sounds sounds absurd. Well, also think about this. What if you're an 18-year-old? Because according to the Indiana, Indiana Constitution, you would be able to run for elected office, but not with this rule in place. Because if you're 18, there would be no way for you to have participated in two consecutive primary elections, right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so this this rule doesn't even uh, make sense. Plus, you get into the issue of unequal enforcement because there is a way out of the rule if your Republican county chair declares that it's okay for you to run an election. So this is wholly partisan. It has unequal enforcement. There's not a compelling government interest in preventing you from having a, a voice in your elected representatives. This is anti constitutional Republican values. It's it's absolutely absurd. I'm really stewing about this. Now, mind you, they voted three to one to keep Trump on the primary ballot, but it was a full sweep, four to nothing, to take John Rust 
off of the primary ballot. So like this is the partisan hackery that is at work in the Indiana GOP right now. And it's really disappointing. Yeah, it sounds disappointing. But not all is lost. There is some good news because it seems as of November, Mitch McConnell is stepping down from the Senate leadership. So to my colleagues, thank you for entrusting me with our success. It's been an honor to work with each of you. There'll be plenty of time to express my gratitude in greater detail as I sprint towards the finish line, which is now in sight. I yield forward. fairness, the turtle has delivered some really solid wins over his 20 years in the Senate leadership, which is really insane when you think about it. He has been at the, the Senate majority leader since Bush 42 was president. That's <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like too much about him i just like consider him like as a meme well yeah he is a meme (laughs) uh especially in his later years but one of his gutsiest moves was preventing uh barack obama from having another supreme court nomination um he refused to yield the senate and that delivered donald trump the opportunity to have not two but three supreme court nominees and like he shepherded those through the senate during the trump presidency he delivered a lot of the legislative wins while trump was president so as much as we mock he did have some success behind the leadership now of course he also oversaw some of the grossest expansions to government spending that we've ever seen adding cumulatively trillions of dollars in his 20 years in senate leadership to the national debt something that will plague uh, generations of the citizenry for for years to come so he has a lack impact and not all of it obviously good however i feel at this point a little bit like the dog who caught the car because yay mitch mcconnell stepping aside but oh no who are they gonna burp up as a replacement because nobody really interesting nobody that i would be interested to see is going to have a snowball's chance in ecuador of having a shot at the senate leadership like they're not going to cough up a senate majority leader Rand paul they're not going to cough up a senate majority leader ted cruz they're not going to cough up a josh hawley you know um who they do have in mind is apparently the three Johns, three Johns and a Rick. That's John Cornyn of Texas. Uh, He became the first lawmaker on Thursday to throw his hat in the ring. He's been a part of McConnell's leadership team, so he is a member of the swamp. Uh, Senator John Thune of South Dakota, uh, he's the moderate candidate, uh, current Senate Republican whip. Uh, And then also Senator John Barrasso 
of Wyoming, followed by Senator Rick Scott of Florida. But of course, he peeved off a lot of his members when he mounted the first opposition to McConnell's Senate leadership. So I think it's really unlikely that uh, Rick Scott's going to get in. So I don't know. Right now, it seems that there's a lot of uncertainty with the party, and that poses the question of what will a second Trump presidency look like if he wins the election and then one of these swampy schmucks is uh, in the Senate leadership like Ness? <laughs> I don't know. You know, again, I feel like the dog that caught the car. Yeah, uh, and only time will tell. Indeed. Now, Rona McDaniel, we heard this follows Rona McDaniel, who we heard last month uh, was stepping down, I think was as of February 6th was when that announcement was. Fox News alert. The New York Times is reporting tonight that RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel is set to step down from a role after the South Carolina primaries. This comes after mounting pressure from inside of the party, including from former President Donald Trump, who said earlier this week he wanted to see changes at the RNC. You stupid woman with your weird child. Which definitely needed to be done after the disastrous losses in what should have been a midterm sweep under the Biden presidency. That was uh, that was unexcusable. And she's trying to, uh, 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 you know, put a pin on it and uh, leave a, a, a rosy view of her legacy. Um, on Friday, she sent a message out to the RNC's 186 members uh, congratulating herself for raising $22.5 million over the last two months, which she says is the most that the RNC has ever raised for the first two months of uh, any year that the Republicans haven't been in the White House. So I guess good for you. You did a little bit of good fundraising on your way out, but good riddance right now we have a couple of uh uh replacements that are uh, slated to uh, uh, replace her. That is uh, North Carolina GOP chair Michael Wheatley and an also daughter-in-law to Donald Trump, Lauren, uh, Laura Trump, <laughs> to be the co-chair of the RNC. So that would be really interesting to see. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting one. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then finally, before we ended this segment, I wanted to lament the fact that SB 52, remember we had Senator Aaron Freeman in here a couple months ago to talk about uh, his bill that would kill the blue line. Well, it looks like the Republicans have allowed it to die in the House. The Indigo Blue Line has cleared a major hurdle tonight over at the Indiana State House. Today, Speaker Houston announced a Senate bill that would have blocked the project and it will not move on to the governor's desk. SB 52 would have banned dedicated bus lanes in Indianapolis. Federal funds for the Blue Line depended on those lanes. Today, the House Speaker said Indigo agreed to listen to traffic concerns so the bill would not move forward. The Blue Line will run from Cumberland on the east side out to the Indianapolis International Airport. No, God! No, God! Please, no! 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 Damn it, damn it, damn it. That bill would have just banned the dedicated lines, and that would have precluded us from a few federal dollars, but they still would have gotten federal funding for implementing the blue line. You just couldn't have done it with the, the uh, dedicated lanes. And now Indigo says that they're going to take into consideration traffic flow, but we all know that that means they're going to do whatever that they bloody well want to on that road. They're going to mutilate it and prevent you from making left-hand turns on one of the main thoroughfares of Indianapolis and a historic state road 
Oh, I'm so disappointed that uh, the Republicans, again, disappointing Hoosiers. Speaker Houston should be ashamed of himself for letting this die. If, you know, any time for a Republican, uh, uh, if there was any time for the Republican General Assembly to intervene, it was for this. And they let us down again. I'm utterly dismayed. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. We'll tell you about uh, uh, Joe Biden's disastrous trip to the border coming up next on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where this segment I wanted to talk about the visits to the border that President Biden and President Trump had this Thursday, one in Brownsville for Biden, one in Eagle Pass for President Trump, outlining entirely different visions. And Biden's was particularly interesting because, of course, now almost three and a half years into his presidency, he suddenly decided that the border is important, making his first ever trip to the Texas border in a very perfunctory photo op moment. And then perplexingly calling on Donald Trump to help him pass legislation through the Congress. Trump isn't president. He's not even an elected member of government right now. How pathetic is it for the president of the United States to be having to ask somebody outside elected office for help passing legislation? What is this? I understand my predecessors in Eagle Pass today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me. Join me with our combined strength. We can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. And telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill, we can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Who is this person who speaks to me as though I needed his advice? Yeah, I don't think Trump's going to be taking the bait on that one, which would be absurd for Biden to expect him to during an election year hand a failed presidency a big win. I don't think so. That's... That's a little silly. What were you getting ready to say? Yeah, I just don't think it's realistic that he would like agree and work with him. At no, the <laughs> no. And then also it's telegraphing the weakness that we've talked about in the Biden administration for him to have to be asking Donald Trump to pass this bill. No, 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 no. That would allow 5,000 migrants per day. Oh, sorry. 5,000 would be uh, triggering the shutdown. 4,999 migrants per day to cross the border and everything would be fine and continue as is. So, no, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. But it's funny that Biden decides now, now is the time to act. Folks, it's real simple. It's time to act. It's long past time to act. All the aides he think he is. I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. But we're having to act 
to undo the policy that Biden implemented, which undid the policy that Trump implemented, that now Biden is considering re-implementing in a election year because he's decided all of a sudden that he has the executive authority that he always did. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Yes, it is. It seems like it's come full circle. Right. Well, CBS reported this on his first in his first days in office. He had what was it more than 100 executive orders that repealed policies like the remain in Mexico policy, which was so successful for Donald Trump. As president, Trump severely restricted asylum and required migrants to await their court hearings in Mexico. When President Biden took office, he reversed those policies, but is now considering employing an executive power used by Trump to suspend asylum. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So he he undid the Trump policy, and then now he's going to re-implement the Trump policy, which was already successful. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's going to try to do it as low-key as possible. But Right. Well, and then look at the burden that he has uh, offloaded to the American taxpayer. And you got nitwicks like Eric Adams, who are now handing out prepaid debit cards to illegal immigrants, giving them free giveaways. And then he's billing this as somehow beneficial to the New York economy. We're saving approximately $600,000 a, a month, $7.2 million uh, a year by giving individuals a card that allows them to buy food or baby supplies, spending $13 a day on food that's cheaper, that's less food waste. This is a real win win for us. And the money will go into the local economy because now we go into the local stores, supermarkets, where we're going to hire local. But this is a smart way to bring down the cost and re-put place the money back into our city i'd like an ice cream about this high okay coming right up what do i owe you nothing it's for free free How is it going to help the New York economy grow when this is coming from taxpayer dollars that had to be, follow me, Jack, removed from the New York economy in order to be given back into the New York economy? And they're saying this has helped driving economic growth. They had to take away the economic growth in order to have these debit cards that are now going to be used to give free groceries to illegal immigrants. And they're saying that this is going to help grow the New York economy. Help it. Help. Help me make it make sense i don't think i don't think i can (laughs) no it doesn't this is insanity this is insanity and then of course we're also dealing with the criminal element that an unguarded border invites and it's not to say that every illegal immigrant is a, a criminal that would be fallacious but it does suggest that there are especially when you're not examining these many people who could be taking advantage of an open border who do have a criminal background from the countries that they're seeking to flee and then entering into the United States. And that's not that's not speculative. That's something that we're seeing in action, including with the murder of Lake uh, Lake and Riley. And then you have Democrat mayors um, who are attempting to say uh, like uh, Kelly Gertz there, uh, the Athens Clark mayor, who are saying there's no connection between illegal uh, migration and uh, uh, crime. In the main, I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Do you have any evidence at all 
Well, Your Honor, we've got plenty of hearsay and conjecture. Those are kinds of evidence. That's not, I mean, look, this isn't an isolated incident, the murder of Lake and Riley by a Venezuelan migrant who'd already been detained at least twice, once in Texas and once in New York, and let go and then murdering this poor young woman in Georgia. Um, and, and that's not, again, an isolated incident. You've had the assault on New York police officers. You've had uh, uh, multiple criminal uh, uh, criminal assaults in Texas and in other states uh, in uh, uh, Massachusetts. So like this, this is a problem. And it's not, you know, again, not every mig- or, uh, illegal immigrant is a criminal. But when you're not guarding your borders, you are letting criminal illegal migrants through the doors. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, like not everyone is like a criminal, but it's like we still need to like stop those criminals. Bingo. You get me. Yeah. And uh, Mayor Kelly Gertz there is uh, attempting to deflect responsibility for implementing sanctuary city policies that brought a murderer to their doorstep. And Georgia citizens are calling him on his bullcrap. That term means different things to different people, depending on the context of the discussion. Uh, we know many, means, many uh, of the elements. Liar. Many of the elements. Liar. 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 We're here to listen. Liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You know something that you're not telling us, you slimy scumbag liar. You're be time a for liar. Questions. You are guilty and got blood on your head for this murder, sir. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities. We know what sanctuary are things that are disallowed by Georgia law. And we contribute a document every year to the Georgia Department of Audits indicating that we do not correspond to these definitions under state law. Yes, you do. And no policies have been adopted by the mayor and commission that have created sanctuary city status in Athens. You need to resign. One protocol that sometimes arises. Resign now. One protocol. Go outside, nerd. Get out. Go. I ain't got time to be distracted by your worthless chime ins. Go on. Yeah, they're not too happy, and I don't blame them. And Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas makes an excellent point that you should be concerned about this because the next time an illegal migrant kills somebody behind the wheel as a drunk driver or murders somebody in cold blood, like with Lake and Riley, it could be a member of your family. The American public knows that having a bill that allows 5,000 people in a day is still close to 2 million a year. This is a joke. And, and look, Laura, you have Republicans who watch, you have independents, you have Democrats who watch. I'm telling you all, folks, you better pick a side or you're going to lose this country. And that next person that's killed by a drunk driver who's here illegally, the next person that's murdered could be your wife, your husband, your child. This is going on all over the country. You better pick a side. You're either for a secure border and for this country or you're not. Well, obviously we have a rapist in Lincoln Park. He's climbing in your windows, he's matching your people up, trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your other, cause they're raping everybody out here. You don't have to call and confess, we're looking for you, we gon' find you, we gon' find you, so you can run and tell that, run and tell that, run and tell that, homeboy, homeboy. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. Stay tuned because coming up next, we're going to wade through the mire together of the sound dump. Stay tuned. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Come with me this week as we sink into the grime of modern politics. You'll hear how transgenderism has infested everything from the military to network television and everything in between as liberal parents clamor to provide their children with harmful medications and surgical mutilations in a twisted display of their progressive agenda. The New York Attorney General, mad with power, has now attacked a beef production company over climate change nonsense, and Joe Manchin was harassed in his offices by climate change disruptors, accusing him of being in bed with big oil. Don't miss a moment on this week's edition of The Sound Dump. I'll take you for a ride I'm a garbage truck It's the Saturday Night Sound Dump on 93 WIPC. i take you to the dump we begin this week on the Joe Rogan podcast where Cat Williams was a guest. And, well, it looks like the former comedian has uh, been watching a little bit too much ancient aliens on the History Channel. The real speculation is they think that the people who built the pyramids built them way earlier than the conventional dating is. They think there's real evidence that shows no. they're 9,000, 11,000 years old. Easy. No people built the pyramids. No people? No. Who built them? No people built the pyramids. And if you and if you look around the world, you see certain telltale things that let you know that advanced machinery was in usage. What is Williams know about advanced machinery. Cat Williams has never seen the inside of a foundry or worked with advanced. What would he know advanced machinery looks like? Yeah. <laughs> Press X to doubt on that one. Right, Producer Jack? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It sounds like he's under the uh, influence of something. <laughs> yeah. I'll have what he's having. Uh, now, maybe if he wants to ask about extraterrestrial influence on ancient civilizations, he can ask uh, this real Rhodes Scholar at the uh, U.S. Space Force, Lieutenant Colonel Bree, who's calling on all of us to uh, be more inclusive. Here we go. All too often, I hear leaders talk about providing everyone with dignity and respect like it's an aspirational goal. That's not good enough. Dignity and respect is the bare minimum. It's the floor of where we can be. We must set our sights higher and focus on intentional inclusivity because there are still far too many people out there, not just LGBTQ individuals, that feel marginalized, shut out, or discriminated against. So for all of you out there, I ask you to set out your symbols of pride, share your pronouns in your email, particularly if you're a person who doesn't think they need to. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. <laughs> 
first of all, don't tell me what to do. Second of all, gee, I wonder, it, it's such a mystery why recruitment in the military is at an all-time low. I just can't imagine why more people wouldn't want to be a part of that. You know what the military should be focusing on is how to kick butt. And I guess if you're part of the Space Force, you should be focusing on how to kick butt in space. We just were talking about this on last week's edition of Saturday Night on the Circle, where Russia was ne- now uh, announced by uh, John Kirby um, in the State Department there um, that they have a missile uh, battery in space that is threatening our telecommunications and geopositioning satellites. That would be a huge disaster to lose. So Space Force, you should be on top of that and not focusing on pronouns. But transgenderism has literally infested every element of our society, not just the military, but now broadcast television, now network television. And they're peddling this on, of all things, on Jeopardy. Parts of speech six. Zem, Zers, Zemself. Chris. What are pronouns? Those are pronouns, neo-pronouns. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. That's Ken Jennings, the host. Uh, Now he has taken over after they fired, uh, what was her name, Mayim Bialik? Uh, She was from... uh, I I know what show she's from. The the Nerd Show, Big Big Bang Bang Theory. Theory. Yeah, Yeah, I used to watch that. Kind of, kind of, uh, it kind of got mediocre after a while. Yeah, I, I never watched I, it, but I just know of it. Right. Well, I mean, at one time it was one of the biggest sitcoms on uh, network television. Yeah. Back when network television mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to see how this is infected, you know, this kind of mentality has infected everything, and why it's important. Look, you can do whatever you want if you're an adult. That's the beauty of living in a free country. But where this is nefarious and insidious is when it's targeted at children. And this Kansas mother was just beside herself that the Kansas legislature is considering implementing protections against the surgical mutilation and hormonal alteration of children, of minors. And wouldn't you know it, this liberal mother mm, just happened to have half of her children be transgender. Like this is something that affects a tiny, tiny percentage of the uh, portion of the population and half of her children are transgender. What are the odds? My name is Elise Flatland. I've been a resident of Kansas for the last 20 years. I have four children, two girls, two boys. My oldest is my transgender daughter and my youngest is an 11-year-old transgender boy. Both of my boys, both of my children have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria and both are currently receiving gender affirming care. Through this care, my husband and my consent has always been required. Stop it! Stop it! Please! I beg you! It's a sin! It's a sin! It's a sin! The fact that this was done with the consent of the parents makes it that much worse that they would consent to mutilating their child and what will be a life altering decision that like, look, no, that's where the legislature absolutely needs to step in. Now, where they don't need to step in is where Letitia James, mad with power, happy now, not content just with uh, uh, unleashing the power of the attorney general's office on Donald Trump. She is now seeking to sue JBS Foods, uh, which is a major beef producer and accusing the public uh, and misleading them about the environmental impact of its products. And you know what this means, producer Jack? What does it mean? It means that they're suing JBS Foods over cow farts. 
So she's making another mo- mockery of the attorney general's office. Like they're they're somehow deceiving the public about the impact, the environmental impact of their cow's flatulence. <laughs> it's a concept that's absurd on its face. And no wonder that, you know, the country has become such a mockery with lackluster leadership like that of Letitia James or the executive in the Oval Office, Joe Biden. I don't know if you saw this, where basically like the Italian Saturday night uh, or not Saturday night on the circle, Saturday night live, uh, Italian Saturday night live was mocking Joe Biden, his incoherence and (laughs) just his old Jerry Geriatric nature. Buonasera, Presidente Biden. Oh, Presidente Biden. Presidente He's falling down. It's okay. He can't hold himself up. Okay. Tutto a posto. Does sound well, like a bell. Benvenuto. No, di nuovo. Mr. President, ecco. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, very good. Si sente bene. Yeah. Si. Si. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Mamma mia. Thank you very thank much. You. I feel good. You are welcome. Buonasera. Dove va? <coughs> eh, Mr. President. Eh, oh, mamma mia. No, non arriva la metropolitana perché non è la metro. It's not the subway. Non è la metropolitana qui. No, no, no. What's your name? Con chi parla? Eh, Mr. President. Eh. My name is Joe Kennedy. No, Biden. Lei è Biden. <laughs> Biden. Ma con chi parla? Certo. <laughs> Even the Italians get it. Joe Biden is worthless as a president. Um, now, circling back to the issue of uh, climate change and uh, the, the ridiculous displays of uh, progressives, these were people harassing Senator Joe Manchin in his offices. It got completely out of control when one person dropped the F bomb on him. Joe Manchin, you've got a rich doing it. You sick. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? 
My favorite part of the clip by far was at the security guard stepping in when that little climate disruptor got right in Senator Manchin's face and called him a sick duck. And the security guard pushed him with the force of a thousand sons out of the office room. I loved it. It was great. It was, was probably like, finally, I have a reason. Indeed. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, before we end this segment, I wanted to play uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris talking about how progressive prosecutors are the key to achieving public safety. Having progressive prosecutors, for example, who can show what is possible and then show that it works and show that, frankly, it's not contrary at all to public safety. In fact, it is a better way. It is a very effective way, among other ways, to achieve public safety. Look, I don't have time to get into it, but I can tell you case in point for why that's not true is Ryan Mears. And you can see that repeated in other major cities across the country. Democrat leadership has been disastrous for rising crime rates. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You can find my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. This segment, I wanted to talk about a great injustice that's been committed to a beloved classic from 1964. The British Board of Film, film Classification has decided Julie Andrews' classic tale, Mary Poppins, must be reclassified from G to PG because of its usage of discriminatory language. Yes, discriminatory language. Producer Jack... I don't I didn't even remember there being any quote discriminatory language in Mary freaking Poppins. I I don't know if like I've even watched Mary Poppins. You've never seen Mary Poppins? Well, I probably have as a kid, but just know that the main actor has the like worst fake accent. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Well, it's like um, infamous. And then, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. That's Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was kind of endearing. But no, um, it, it's because of their usage of the term hot and tots. Hot and tots, apparently referential to the Koheki, a group of nomadic herders in South Africa now regarded as derisive and offensive so they've come after mary poppins because of this discriminatory language and now reclassified it as pg this is ridiculous yeah i don't like i don't know you would have to like start going back to other movies who is this offending like uh, six people who even knows about the hot and tots like that that's that that's such a bizarre 
little fact to to tear out a pull you know out of a hat just for this application although i will say producer jack give mary poppins a second watch if you saw it as a kid it's a great movie to re-watch as an adult because as a kid you think the movie's all about the title character mary poppins and all the you know her fun little hijinks but as an adult you realize that the movie is actually about george banks and his journey and development as a character in the film go back and watch it it's it's worthwhile i'll give it another go you're listening to saturday night on the circle stay tuned next hour rob kendall is joining the show Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening to the show. Catch my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. On Tuesday, the nefarious partisan forces at the Indiana Election Commission disqualified candidate John Rust from the primary ballot in a move designed to ensure victory for candidate Jim Banks. How desperate must these establishment hacks be to rig the system so blatantly and rob you of your right to participate in elected? government. Here to lambast the wild insider chicanery and shadowy forces of corruption in government is the beacon of conservative thought and the foremost critic of local government. He's won half of the award-winning Kendall and Casey show. The unmatchable Rob Kendall joins the program. You always always set the bar so high for me. (laughs) Like, it's just I have such expectations to exceed when I'm here. Well, just on that intro. Well, I mean, a man who can uh, sway, like, what was it, 250,000 votes in a gubernatorial election deserves nothing less than the finest. God bless you. You're the best. Thank you. Yeah, so, uh, look, Ross What's got- up with this? This is some bull crap, man. Well, is Jim Banks really that afraid of a little co- of a little competition? Because, look, he has all the fundraising uh, 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 fundraising mechanisms in place. He has the backing of the establishment. He's far and away the ahead, the lead candidate, uh, so he can't handle a little competition from John Russ. This is ridiculous. Yeah. The fact that the Supreme Court intervened and put a stay on this ruling, and they're theoretically disqualifying, what is it, 85% of the state from participating? An elected government. What is what is this crap? Uh, so something happened to Jim Banks um, when he was rejected because remember he tried to be in party leadership in the House. He wanted a leadership position. He got rejected, and something happened to Jim when he got rejected, <sighs> where he immediately pivoted. I mean, obviously, then it was just a power move, and he wanted to be a U.S. senator. And he has changed dramatically over the past year and a half, not for the better. Um, interviewed Jim Banks before. It always seemed like a very liberty and freedom minded guy, kind of an anti-establishment guy. But I mean, you look at the the repeated votes for Kevin McCarthy and then trying to save McCarthy and then lining up with Holcomb and Hupp for Incorporated and getting the blessing of state party. I mean, Jim Jim Banks has changed a lot. Look, the the ballot access laws in this state, and we saw it with the hearing that you were talking about on Tuesday, are designed by the Republicans and Democrats alike to keep undesirables from running for public office. And that 
is really their ultimate goal, is to keep regular people that they are not absolutely certain they can control from being able to run as a Republican or Democrat. And the Indiana Election Commission, unfortunately, had no choice based on state law but to remove rust from the ballot. They were pretty candid, at least the Democrat side of it was, we don't want to do this, we don't like this, but the law is the law, and their job is to enforce the law. Well, the Supreme Court, for them to intervene and then not make a ruling, is nothing less than establish. You can't convince me that this is constitutional and that there's a compelling government interest to prevent 85% of the state from being able to appear on the ballot. That's ridiculous. This goes beyond just insider politics. This threatens the fabric of our democracy. And from a deep red state, I'm troubled by this, Rob. I'm deeply troubled. So what's interesting is the Supreme Court is yet to technically rule right. in the case. They they just put a stay on the ruling. They unstayed the thing that they or they had they had they stayed the thing they had previously declined to stay, which so there's a weird world where John Ross could actually win this case and not be able to run for U.S. Senate. And look, the bottom line is this shouldn't even be an issue. The, no. the, the, the whole thing is the idea that Republicans and Democrats are so inept to be able they can't run elections without the public's money, but yet then they want to dictate who in the public, who they take money from, who can run for these offices. I mean, there's so many flaws in, in, in the law. First of all, how does an 18-year-old who has never been eligible to vote in a primary, who per the Indiana Constitution is eligible to run for certain <laughs> public offices, how do they even run for this office if they haven't been able to have voted wouldn't in a be, primary? Wouldn't even be possible. How is it possible that an unelected person, a county chairman, can decide two people with identical voting records, and based on whether they like you or not, one person or how much you've donated to the party or whatever, one person is a Republican in good standing, the other person is not. And that's How, the issue of unequal enforcement. Right. There's so, so many layers to this. It's obscene. Now, he said he's going to take it to the Supreme Court. Well, he's appealed this ruling as of yesterday, correct? Right. He appealed this on Friday. Yeah, so he is at, the, at a Marion County Court on, he's saying, look, the judge had issued the ruling that the Supreme Court declined to stay, so this was the law when I filed, so I should be eligible to run based on I obeyed the law when I filed. That's his, his first Go and then I think he's going to go to the Supreme Court, the U.S. or try to go to the Supreme Court. More power to him. But the, but the issue is more than just Rust because look, Rust is kind of an unsympathetic figure. He's a very rich guy. He's got the issue with the the price fixing or whatever that was. It's not about the candidate. It's not, it's not, I, I don't I, support Rust. I, I agree. No, I, I support I, his ability to run. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. As anybody, anybody to just have the chance to appear on the primary ballot, it's probably going to be Banks anyway. And if he wins a legitimate election, fine. That's how this constitutional republic is supposed to work. But we are ultimately to blame. So think about the history on this is there was a one primary rule, which... I don't know. I, my, you know my thing, Ethan, is if you have open primaries where anybody can vote, then you should have open primaries where anybody can run. And if the Republicans and Democrats are going to take public money to run their elections, then anybody yes. should be eligible to run. Yes. Now, if the Republicans say we want to be like libertarians and we want to have closed-door conventions where we nominate and we don't take public money, then nominate whoever, whoever you want. But there was some hint of reasonability in the one primary rule. They changed it in 2021. And don't forget, Aaron Houchin authored the change. Well, who's Aaron Houchin? She is someone, she was a, a, a former state senator who had initially ran for Congress in the 6th Congressional District against, uh, or in the 9th Congressional District, I'm sorry, against Trey Hollingsworth. She lost because Trey Hollingsworth had infinite money. He had moved here from Tennessee, and she got mad because he basically bought an election. He legally bought an election. She got mad, Aaron Houchin, and authored this bill that said, no, nah, one primary is not good enough. you got to run in two primaries. Well, then Aaron Houchin goes on to literally quit, literally. Literally quit on her constituents in the middle 
of the legislative session. Professional to, office office. To, to run for that house. <laughs> he would have opened up in Hollingsworth, didn't run again. But the problem is she got rewarded. We have to stop rewarding these people who hate us. And ultimately, that rests on us, that we've got to stop voting for these people and force the change that we want to see. So right now, we're waiting on the rest appeal and more power to him. Hopefully, he'll be able to put a stop to this and at least have the chance to appear on the ballot. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. We've been talking with Rob Kendall of the Kendall and Casey show about this situation where the establishment is trying to... It's not just about Russ. It's trying to prevent you from appearing on the ballot and from you from participating in your local elected government. But I also want to shift topics here for just a moment because I feel a little bit like the dog who just caught the car now that Mitch McConnell is stepping aside from his Senate leadership position because, great, but oh crap, who are we going to replace him with? Because nobody that I would be interested in right. has a snowball's chance in Ecuador of being the new Senate leader. Like It's not going to be Senate Majority Leader Rand Paul. It's not right. going to be Senate Majority Leader Ted Cruz. It's not going to be, not ideal, but you know it would be okay, Senate Majority Leader Josh Hawley. So who are they going to burp up as a replacement? And will they be as adroit as Mitch McConnell was? Because whether we'd like to admit it or not, Mitch McConnell was the driving force behind the power of a lot of Trump's legislative successes during that administration and the you know he was responsible for shepherding through three successful Supreme Court confirmations as well as stymieing the Obama confirmation so like he delivered a lot of important wins and now he's stepping aside which he's geriatric and losing his mind so hooray but oh no Oh crap! Do yeah. you share my well? My look, it's a game realization of re- here, Ethan. You're a little younger than me, and you'll find as you roll through your 30s that the game of reasonable expectations is a big part of success in life. I once was passionate and naive like you as well, and it, God bless you for having that passion. Look, John Thune is the almost identical age to what Mitch McConnell was when Mitch McConnell became leader of the House 20, or leader of the Senate 20 years ago. Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell handpicked John Thune. The makeup of the Senate is not changing just because Mitch. McConnell is stepping aside. The Republicans had just voted to re-institute Mitch McConnell as Senate leader, so it's probably going to be John Thune, which means nothing will change. And the worst part about this is not only will nothing change, it means there's a spot opening up for Todd Young to elevate himself up the leadership ladder, so it's a double whammy. Nothing's going to change, and Todd Young gets more powerful. Why has Republican leadership so failed? Like, Why are these vanilla milk toast candidates the best that the party can burp up? It's it's frustrating. Well, because these people serve not you or me or the public hearing our voice. They serve a very select crowd of insiders, donors, lobbyists, people who give them money, who people back up these reelection campaigns, and they're not going to upset that apple cart. And it's especially true in the Senate, which is by design. You're a historian, you know this. A deliberate, deliberately designed as an elite body, and so it's nothing's going to change. I mean, the Republican senators said in 2022 that Ukraine was the most important thing to them. They chopped off the legs of the incoming house on that spending bill. And when these people talk, you you should believe them. Nothing's going to change. They're not, they're not serious people. They are serious about protecting themselves and their own power, but they're not serious about making the changes necessary to help this country. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, you're absolutely right from a historical perspective. The Senate has been bought off by insider interests since essentially the 1860s uh, after the Grant administration. So it's, but it, nothing has changed in 160 years, and you'd figure that the Republic would continue 
continue to get better. But uh, uh, no, it's not going to get any better, and the institution it's not, itself though. is unfixable at this point. Speaking of unfixable, we got to wrap things up here in just a moment. But I wanted you to shed some light because I'm a total outsider yeah. here. What is this lunatic on about this Gabriel Whitley character? Because he was flinging some mud at you, and now he's flinging some mud at Abdul, and Abdul is getting ready to uh, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war because Gabriel's coming after his means of living. So, uh oh, watch out! But what 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 is this? What's what's going on? And he looks like George Santos. Uh, Why are literally he looks like George Santos in addition to behaving like George Santos? So, what alternate reality are we living in? So, we've dealt with Gabe for a couple years now. We sued him in 2022, and he got on our on our radar. And uh, oh, I guess this is, was last week. Still, there was a, a complaint filed. Full disclosure is actually filed by my wife uh, in front of the Federal Election Commission and the Indiana Election Division related to very serious issues with Gabe's uh, campaign finance report. He's running in the 7th Congressional District and the Republican primary, which is for the right to lose to Andre Carson. And Gabe has a litany of very serious potential issues with these campaign finance reports. Donors that can't be located, a political consulting firm that can't be located. He's got people that he's, you know, (laughs) friends that can't be located. I mean, it it is, on the surface, very eerie the similarities between Gabe and George Santos. And the reality is, and hopefully the FEC and the IED and then the IEC as an extension of that, will take this series because Gabe Whitley could could become the Republican nominee for Congress in the 7th Congressional District, which is Marion County. Well, sure. It wouldn't be the first time that a pathological liar was elected to Republican government. It's just shocking that this is happening again. We we seem to be catching it a little bit earlier this time, though, than we did with George Santos. But the only reason we did is because we've been on Gabe for two years now. We knew about Gabe for two years. My wife spent, I bet she spent 50 hours doing the research to file those complaints with the FEC and, and, the, and the IED. Um, and they're very serious and Abdul has talked about how the FBI has the information. The Mary County prosecutor has the information. And hopefully these people will take the allegations in that complaint very serious. I think the FEC already had Gabe on the radar. They'd already corresponded with him about stuff. So I think they are. But look, I mean, the, 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 there has been complete silence from the Marion County Republican Party. There's been complete silence from the Indiana Republican Party. And this guy is photographed like multiple times with Diego Morales. There's all sorts of photos with these famous politicians. He's with, well, of course, with, he's with, with, with Rokita and, and Mike Braun and Susan Crouch and nationally. I mean, he's somebody needs to get to the bottom of what happened here. Hopefully these complaints will be taken serious and Gabe will be taken seriously and dealt with, with accordingly because what he's accused of is really, really scary stuff. You know, this used to be kind of ha-ha funny, but the more time passes, the more I have grown to suspect it may be true. Remember back in 2016, right at the beginning of the year when the large Hadron Collider, the particle collider over at CERN had to be shut down because a weasel had crawled into the system <laughs> and started gnawing on some wire. I think at that point in early 2016, that's what diverged our timeline and sent us spiraling into a parallel reality. That's the only thing that makes sense at this point. Well, it's because just, we live in a parody, sir. It's just, we live in a parody. Just wild to me. I mean, Indiana <laughs> Capital Chronicle did this huge expose on Gabe last week, and then you've had multiple other reports about this guy, and yet the Marion County GOP is so inept that they have been completely silent on this. It's just crazy. Well, the Indiana GOP has demonstrated their ineptitude on a repeat basis.
Texas. And don't even get me started on what was allowed to happen with the uh, appear, apparent demise of SB 52. Once again, the Republican yeah. Party letting down the Hoosiers. <laughs> never, never doubt Rod and Todd, Todd Houston and Rod Bray, the Flanders boys, ability to stick a knife in the back of the taxpayers. Am I right? Oh, well, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> Rob, thanks for thanks coming on the show, You're the best, buddy. Appreciate it. You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday Night on the Circle. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You keep lying when you ought to be truthing. And you keep losing when you ought to not bet. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Now what's right is right, but you ain't been right yet. Welcome back to 93 WIBC. This segment, we're updating you on the ongoing Fannie Willis disqualification hearings, which for now have come to a close. Closing arguments were had, and the judge has promised... He's going to make a ruling in the next two weeks. This is pretty exciting. Uh, The closing arguments, of course, were being handled uh, by Harry McDougald here, and he made a pretty excellent point about the corruption in the DA's office and how she has apparently financially benefited from this arrangement between herself and her lover. The DA's office is serving the personal interests of the DA and Mr. Wade in carrying out further concealment and cover-up of their relationship and not the cause of justice they are sworn to serve. That is a conflict of interest. It's a continuation of the wrongful pattern of concealment and cover-up that they've engaged in since the beginning. But now they've enlisted the entire office in the enterprise. In the written response to the motion to disqualify, they said this, and I quote, to be absolutely clear, There is no evidence that D.A. Willis derived any financial benefit from Mr. Wade. That's on page 15. Flat out false. Ten lawyers in this case put their name on that, starting with the D.A. The problem here is that D.A. cannot distinguish between her personal interests and ambitions on the one hand and her public duties as a prosecutor on the other, and apparently neither neither can anyone else in their office. Of the six conflicts I've identified, only one is subject to a conflict in the evidence. This is a case study in what happens when you operate under a conflict of interest. I'll never forgive this. Look, the district attorney has no one but herself to blame for this ridiculous corruption that was allowed to transpire. And she damn well knew and other members in her department knew that she was carrying on a romantic relationship with Nathaniel Wade and then chose to give him taxpayer funds and appoint him as an assistant prosecutor on the case against Donald Trump and then take these lavish vacations around the world and across the country to ritzy locations like Napa Valley and then allegedly cover it up with cash payments. No, 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 no. This can't fly. And before closing arguments were made, they did one final reading of the text messages between the lovers, Fanny and Nathaniel. Uh, I would like to read to the court the text messages between Mr. Nathan Wade and his lover, Fanny Willis. Dear Fanny, I like big butts, and I cannot lie. 
My oath of brothels can't deny. When my fanny walks in with that fat ass, I want to make it rain with her campaign cash. I noticed that her butt was stuffed deep in the jeans she was wearing. I am hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh, Fanny, I want to get with you and take your picture. My homeboys tried to warn me, but that big ass butt you got makes me so horny. Fanny got back. <laughs> okay, producer Jack, you got me. That that wasn't actually a text message. That was AI generated. But you you'd believe it if it was. Yeah, to, I mean, like that that deep fake sounded exactly like him. Well, yeah, I mean the the, the uh, deep fakes have been getting scary uh, as yeah. far as the AI application, but you can do, use it to do funny things like that. <laughs> True. <laughs> now here is absolutely not AI. This was an argument uh, that was being waged by Fanny's attorney in this matter, uh, a- Adam Abate or Abate, um, failing at uh, his arguments with the judge uh, Scott. McAfee when he was trying to claim that there had to be no shadow of a doubt of impropriety for a disqualification to gum, uh, uh, go through and he didn't apply the case law properly and got called out by the judge in a hilarious moment. What I would say is misstates the law as it relates to uh, what the law uh, or what is required in order for uh, an elected district attorney uh, and their office to be disqualified. And what I would submit to the court is... Let's go, let's go back to that. Show me how. Yes. Show you how. So I think the first one they cited was battle versus the state. Certainly a conflict of interest or the appearance of impropriety can be the grounds of disqualification. Well... There are a number of these cases that seem to exclusively rely on the appearance of impropriety. Right. How embarrassing. So to break it down there, producer Jack, he tried to slip a fast one past the judge because he was citing these cases to support his argument that there had to be beyond a shadow of a doubt proof of impropriety. And no, no, in the cases that he cited and brought before the judge, it showed that you just have to have an appearance of impropriety for a disqualification to go through. So he tried to slip one past the judge and the judge wasn't buying it. The judge reads the case law and you try and smack around a judge like that. They don't appreciate it. They do not appreciate that at all. Producer Jack. Um, Now, Scott McAfee, he says he doesn't need to hear any more evidence in the hearing and he needs about two weeks, hopefully to come back with a ruling. Now, if he was keeping her on, I think we'd hear that announcement right away. The fact that it's going to take two weeks, I think he's got to write up a, an opinion explaining why it's necessary to disqualify Fanny. And so I will be taking uh, the time to make sure that I give this case the full consideration it's due. I hope to have an answer for everyone within the next two weeks. Uh, until that point... Um, if there are any other issues that come up, counsel can reach out and uh, we'll have an order posted on the docket. Thank you all. I reluctantly must conclude, you're screwed, you're screwed, you're screwed.
food. It is not looking good for Fannie Willis, but she has no one but herself to blame for sinking her own case against Donald Trump and then you know, inadvertently revealing to the nation the levels of corruption in the deep state that is attacking the former president. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Coming up next, guest of the show, Nigel Laskowski from the Hammer and Nigel program. He's coming on together. We're going to talk about the Florida Man Games and then brainstorm a little bit about what Hoosier Man Games might look like. Stay tuned for that. Coming up next. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening to the show. Catch my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. Florida has embraced their cultural identity as the weirdest state in the union, now celebrated by the first ever Florida Man Games, an event that commemorates the bizarre behavior which has made the state famous or infamous, as the case may be. Here to help highlight the debaucherous display of American tomfoolery is one half of the number one rated Hammer and Nigel show. It's the original party animal himself, Nigel Leskowski, joining the program. Man, Ethan Hatcher, Saturday night on a circle, baby. No place I'd rather be. Thanks right for coming here, man. here, man. The Florida Man Games. Now, I heard you and Jason talking about this on the show, and of course, this is right up your alley. This is <laughs> this is spectacular. I can't believe they haven't done it before. The only thing that surprised me was where they held it. Did you see where they put it on? Uh, well, no. It was in Florida, but it, it wasn't... What? St. Augustine. Have you ever visited St. Augustine, Florida before? No. St. Pete? This is the no. oldest continuously inhabited settlement in the United States. Right. There are beautiful buildings dating back to the early 1700s, late 1600s. There's antique shops all over the place, historical <laughs> museums, there's like an old Spanish fort, and then the Florida Man Games right the, next to it. A, a like giant like influx <laughs> of fat, drunk white dudes like all could, descending down on the... Uh, I could see it in Miami. Yeah. I could see it in Sarasota. I could see it in Tampa. <laughs> but St. Augustine? Whatever. You Definitely know, Tampa, it, for sure. It looked like a great time. Well, look, remind me, do you have in your notes what were exactly some of the games were they played? Yes, uh, they played like, the I'm Evading Arrest Obstacle Course, <laughs> a classic. They had the mullet competition. Yeah, well, of course. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's standard. Uh, the Category 5 Cash Grab were <laughs> just a few of the competitions. And for the uh, wait, ladies... Wait, wait, wait. Is that the, is a reference to a hurricane and then looting? <laughs> the Florida Man Games. Oh, I didn't connect the looting. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's kind of dark. They stand in, uh, I think they stand in one of those giant f- enclosed fan type deals you see at like, uh-huh. the state fair, and then they try to grab the cash. As much cash around. as you can. So, I mean, you know, a great activity, but yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection. Now, for the Florida women out there, they had the Florida ma'am. Pinup competition. The ma'am pinup competition. Yes. Uh, are, so we're making a distinction between biological men and women here. <laughs> well, they do in Florida. Okay. Let's, let's not yeah, forget this is hardcore. the state that elected Ron DeSantis. Sure. <laughs> um, so that just that just seemed like a heck of a good time, and it got me to thinking. You you seem like a man that has seen some pretty outstanding parties in your day. What is the wildest party that you've ever been to? 
you know, like a public where the public's invited, or is it just like a private? <laughs> Either or. <laughs> Man, um, I, okay, recently, I'll give you a recent one. I mean, the Indy 500, obviously, is the biggest party in town in the month sure. of May. Um, all, but recently, I just got back. I, I don't know if you're into golf or not. You, you don't seem like a professional golf I'm not guy. into sports. You know, you're not a sports guy, but I got back. From the Waste Management Open in Scottsdale. Uh, They call it the People's Championship. And it's more about the fans and the party than it is about the actual professional golf tournament with PGA players. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I was wanting to talk about your experiences there in this segment, because I saw some amazing footage. They had to shut down alcohol sales. They barred the gates one day. Saturday. That was the day I was there. That was the day you were there? That was their Friday and Saturday. Were you one of these fat guys that were like (laughs) belly sliding down the side of Muddy Hill? Well, see, the weather kind of sucked, and it was wet and rainy. But I didn't it didn't matter to me at all. Um, it didn't look these, like it mattered to anybody. They were all having no, a good time. Uh-uh. People, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people throughout the the four day event, and that I mean that in itself is a party. Again, it's a it's like. It's a golf tournament, but it's more along the lines of a huge, giant party where golfers just show up and swing their clubs. Well, some of them ended up losing their temper at the shenanigans going on in the crowd. Yeah, (laughs) And I don't blame them. I was there for that. I think you're talking about uh, Zach Johnson going off on a guy in the crowd. these fans, okay, so so Friday it was on the infamous hole 16, which is a famous par three, and it's like a coliseum, they built a coliseum around this single, and that's where you saw some of the guys sliding around in the mud and stuff like that. Okay. And we were in a, a box seat, right, up on the third floor, and me and my buddies were like by far the oldest guys there. It was all dudes in their 20s and 30s, and they would scream and shout the most vile things at these professional golfers. Oh my God. F you, Zach Johnson. What happened at the Ryder Cup? You owe me my house. I lost my house because it just stuff you can't even imagine worse than that. I don't know why the players show up for this. Well, well um, they must be getting paid well. I mean, the you know, the and the crowd has generated a heck of a lot of uh, commerce. You got to be thinking they're spending a lot of money on booze yes, to now, be like on the precipice of blackout drunk all the boy, time. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> like I, the, I had these tickets land in my lap. They were all inclusive, so I didn't pay for one drink. I didn't pay for one piece of food the two days I was. There and now the second day I was well, on how a whole, did this happen? You I've cheap got, dude, I've got buddies that are in commercial real estate. It'll, I'll give you a side story here. So my buddy Brian's in commercial real estate. He's trying to do a deal in Arizona, but the laws make it such where you have to broker with somebody in Arizona. So he found like a big high roller in Arizona to do this deal. He's trying to put together with in Arizona. We meet him. It's this old distinguished gentleman and his hot young daughter and like i mean like reality show hot the kind of girl you'd see on you know and and my buddy brian just the affable lovable guy he puts his arm around me goes nigel meet so and so uh nigel's got the number one talk shows a hammer nigel show in indianapolis wibc and this chick's eyes lit up she goes (laughs) she goes thank you for what you do like i just got back from a tour in afghanistan or something thank you for what you do and then she goes have you ever met alex Jones and I go like because you're all we're all friends <laughs> yeah we're all we all know each other and I go yeah actually I did meet him back uh, in 2009 at South by Southwest Music Festival where I got as big as Buick hubcaps that's hilarious <laughs> man I'm doing something wrong because I'm in commercial real estate you could say yeah. I'm a landlord yes. but nobody gives me free tickets to the, the waste <laughs> management where's my hot girlfriend where's my reality show girlfriend I, I'm, right. I'm doing something wrong I mean, it was just funny like the reaction I game. got yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I know. It was it was a good time, but the Indy 500 is always a good party. Man, I'm trying to think back. I mean, there was I, when I was in my 20s, man, and working at X103, the yeah, alternative rock station. That's what my I house, you to be talking about. My house was the party house every weekend. I lived at 46 at Eagle Creek Parkway, uh, right on the end of the cul-de-sac. And every it was like every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, there were people either at my house or meeting to go to my house to party and then going out to Broad Ripple at midnight to party and then getting cabs back home and partying more. Now, you've never so. collapsed a floor, have you? Because I've seen some footage from some of these house parties where the house the, the no. floor caves in. No. Okay, good. Okay. I'm glad yeah, you didn't I hope that wasn't a house that you built. No, no, certainly not not one of mine. <laughs> Thank goodness. But being a man who enjoys a good time, I thought maybe I've, you and I could brainstorm the Hoosier Man games. If they have Florida Man <laughs> games, then surely we could come up with some fun activities for a Hoosier Man game. And I, I, I have a few. Cornhole. Of course, it's, it's, it's got to be bags, yeah. Yeah, got to be, gotta be cornhole in the Hoosier Man games. Uh, tenderloin tossing contest. Now, I love it. Now we can get into eating, and I imagine there's a lot of eating competition that would be in a Hoosier Man festivity. But yeah. this would be like tossing it like a frisbee <laughs> because they beat the the tenderloins out so thin, especially over the Ed- Edinburgh Diner. Like you could get some oh. airtime and see how far the tenderloin or can instead be of disc golf, tenderloin golf. Ooh, okay. Like all, yeah. you, now, all, now you hipster, all you hipster guys. Play Play the disc golf, right? Um, that would be a good one. There'd have to be stock car racing of some kind, right? You know, because sure. Indy Five Hundred connection, horse, because of basketball. <laughs> I play pig with my kids. We play pig. It takes it takes less time, right? See, right. Um, and then, uh, of course, the meth cooking contest. <laughs> I figure we can have an assortment of bathroom chemicals. All winners. And then, you know, whoever can create the finest meth from the fewest (laughs) chemical components wins the competition. Whoever whoever has the best smelling meth house. (laughs) What do you cover that up with? I have no clue. No clue. (laughs) Questions, buddy. Questions that you don't want to know the answers uh, to. If you have to ask, things have gone drastically wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Nigel, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Appreciate it. I'm here anytime, man. Thanks for the invite. Listen to the uh, Hammer and Nigel show Monday through Friday from 3 to 7. We we have a good time during that show. Yeah, I love listening, man. Hopping in the comments sometime. You guys got some lively lively friends to participate in that. That's right. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. Stay tuned for more. Take your time. Think a lot. I think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC How can I try to Welcome back to 93 WIBC, Saturday Night on the Circle. Ethan Hatcher behind the microphone here wrapping things up on a Saturday evening with producer Jack pushing the buttons doing the things to make the show function. And unfortunately, I'm ending the show on a bit of a down note because there's just not a lot to celebrate, especially when you remember what they've taken from you. Not only the dollar menu, but now... Also, the sausage McGriddle from the all-day menu, and one TikToker has a pretty good inkling of why there's so much depression in America. I genuinely think the world went downhill when McDonald's took away the $2 sausage McGriddle off the all-day menu. Genuinely. Genuinely. People used to be happier. Now what? Now what? It's like $4? You used to be able 
to go to McDonald's at 5.47 p.m. and get a nice little sausage McGriddle for dinner for two bucks. Now what? It stops at 10.30? This is why people are depressed. This is why people are anxious. If maybe we could waltz up to a McDonald's at 7 p.m. and order a sausage McGriddle for $2 again like we used to be, people would be happier. I think it would solve a lot of issues. Thank you. He's out of line, but he's right. Oh, I feel your pain, sister. I love the sausage McGriddle. I also miss the dollar menu. I miss being able to buy a McChicken for a buck. Now it's like two fifteen, two thirty in some places. It's obscene. Yeah, yeah like I, I feel like they've gotten more expensive too. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, and the food quality hasn't improved at all. Not a lot of reason to celebrate. So not only are they taking away your dollar menu and your sausage McGriddles from the all-day menu, but what we played last week that uh, celebrating the uh, touchdown of the lunar lander after 50 years, turns out that was a flop. It landed on its side. Oh, no. Yes. So, yeah. So um, it died a premature death uh, sometime this week. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday when they finally lost contact. But it landed on its side, so it was unable to fulfill its originally planned 10-day mission. So that was a swing and a miss. And then also... Richard Lewis, the comedian beloved for his role on Curb Your Enthusiasm, has sadly passed away at his home following a heart attack, which means you're no longer going to get classic exchanges like this. I've had thousands of hours of lessons. Two minutes on that bench. This guy changed my life. What kind of tips? Vertical drop. Yeah. Horizontal tug. Horizontal tug. Vertical drop. Horizontal tug. Now, I've dropped before, but I've never tugged, and now I'm tugging. Maybe I should tug. You gotta tug. Can you teach me how to tug? I'll teach you how to tug. This is fantastic. Can I tell you something? Sure. I think this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. I don't even know who I'm looking at right now. How is something good happening to me? No one on the planet would believe that you're happy. How is this possible? Well, I have better news for you. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, no, no. Don't don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in it. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to Jared. You're my best friend. You're getting it. No, I'm making a sherman statement about the will right now. I'm sick of your historical references. If nominated, I will not run. If bequeathed, I will not accept. Well, I'm bequeathing. Well, I'm not accepting. You'll have to accept. Don't give it to me. Don't hurt my feelings. I'm not going to keep a penny of it. You're hurting me. Thank you, but I don't want it. I'm giving it to you anyway, pal. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> no more classic exchanges like that. I loved Curb. I, I love Curb. I've seen, I've seen, like, a handful of episodes, and I, like wish it was like on netflix or something the so. earlier seasons are where, it, where it's at pirate it young man oh, pir- pirate it that's what i always did <laughs> i mean shh, for, forget i forget i said anything <laughs> thanks for listening thanks for listening to saturday night on the circle i leave you with my parting words of wisdom wherever you are whatever you're doing whoever you're with remember that life is a state of mind see you next week mm-hmm.